It's your Monday Mohammed. Yes, the Chinese coronavirus may be stalking the land, but Islam never sleeps. <laughs> What is the correct Islamic attitude to COVID-19? Let's check in with an expert. And no, I don't mean some podunk backwards madrasa boy from upcountry Waziristan, but a sophisticated westernized Muslim from Syracuse, New York, the state most afflicted by the coronavirus. I played Syracuse, the, um, the On Center, last year, and there was a mosque opposite my hotel. Uh, I don't know whether that narrows it down particularly, and I don't know whether that's uh, this imam's mosque. But, uh, okay, is this droning going to go on much longer? Boy, if I could sing like that, Actually, I do sing like that. Anyway, Imam Qadr bin Mohammed is a big shot Empire State Imam in Syracuse with the Warrior Scholar Institute. And he's worried that with Allah striking down the land of the Kafa, the infidel, he might wind up as collateral damage. You should take this as a, a reminder from living in the lands of the Kufar that when Allah Ta'ala decides to destroy the Kufar, destroys whoever is in that land. But if the adab comes, it comes and it goes, it destroys everyone. So think about our situation here in America. How many of us are enjoying the good and forbidden the evil? Or are we just comfortable, chilling? Punish might come, might come to us first. Because we're relaxed and chilling in the lands of the Kufar. Evil all around us. People, you know, committing zina, drinking the alcohol, gay people, all, you know, all the type of sins and disease, stuff that's here. And what are we doing? We're just chilling. That's more fearful to me than the coronavirus. That Allah may decide to destroy me first because I live here in the lands of the Kufar and what am I really doing in regards to enjoying the good and forbidding the evil to them? So for sure you're going to die. What should you really be preparing for? Instead of washing up your hands every five times if you fear of the coronavirus, you should make it toast. You know, Imam Muhammad has a point. I've thought for, oh, getting on for 18 and a half years now that the problem with so many... Uh, young Muslim chaps is that they're too chill, chilling. Next thing you know, they're going to be going around washing their hands all the time, like a lot of scared kafars. That's why you see the kafar, the scaredest people. How many women do we see? May Allah guide them and protect them, and they walk around and they show their ankles. Is this not a part of her aura? Aura. That means a woman's private parts, or as we would say, a woman. How many women are very lackadaisical in regards to their sleeves coming up like this? Is this not a part of her aura? How many women are very lackadaisical with her ears showing, her neck showing? Why are they lackadaisical? Lackadaisical is an 18th century English coinage uh, deriving from lackaday or its whimsical extension lackadaisy. Lackadaisical, on the other hand, is grounds for an honor killing. Should they be more for worried about protecting that? Like the hand sanitizer? The lady got a dress on that, that, that comes up to it right here. How is that? That's her aura. She's not supposed to show that to any man. But they do it like it's nothing. That's her aura. It is haram. That is her private parts. Gotcha. 
But now is surely the hour of our salvation. Because of all this coronavirus, even the infidel whores are walking around with gloves and masks on them. That's great news, isn't it? Muslims even now, wearing masks, right? They were scared before to wear their cough. Said, no, people are going to laugh at me if I wear their cough outside, bother me. But now they're walking around with ugly blue masks on their face. Oh, okay, got it. No one likes a face mask that clashes with a niqab. Thanks for that, Imam Qadar bin Mohammed of Syracuse, New York. And that's your coronavirus perspective from this week's Monday Mohammed. The jihad never sleeps even in the age of corona. For the second night running, police clashed with, quote, youths. In Villeneuve-la-Garenne, north of Paris, because the, quote, youths were not observing Monsieur Macron's quarantine. But why should a, quote, youth observe the coronavirus quarantine? A couple of weeks back, our Monday Mohammed, a big-shot imam from Syracuse, New York, was bemoaning the way these hideous blue surgical masks clashed with the nice, stylish, basic black of a classic burqa or niqab. But that's uh, nancing around the issue, isn't it? I mean, it's a fashion note. Fine if you're doing the latest haute couture collections for Waziristan Vogue, uh, but not otherwise of much use. Today's Monday Mohammed... An even bigger shot imam from Egypt, uh, this time not Syracuse, New York. Mohammed al-Hefnawi al-Ansari cuts to the chase and says, the old corona is a soldier of Allah. Here's his opening line. Shukran corona. That means thank you, corona. Why is he thanking the corona? The corona. Because the corona has made them shut down all the pubs where the infidels drink their alcohol. The corona has made them shut down the coffee houses because unlike nice Islamic male-only coffee houses, here the infidel gets to sip macchiatos with his filthy infidel whore. The corona has made them shut down all the cinemas where they show the filthy, rotten American movies with the gay best friends and all the potential Oscar-winning roles for Islamic terrorists going to English infidels like Jeremy Irons and Gary Oldman. The corona has shut down all the whorehouses worldwide. That's, uh, that's actually true in Canada. The, quote, sex workers are demanding public funding from Justin Trudeau because they've all been laid off. So the coronavirus is a great thing, says Imam Mohammed al-Hefnawi al-Ansari, because it's making the filthy infidel world more like a Sharia state. No booze, no brothels, and all the women covering their faces. He's not actually wrong about that, is he? Now all Allah has to do is finish the job. Oh, Allah, use the coronavirus to eliminate the infidels. Oh, and also those lousy Shiites. 
if there are any Ayatollahs left in Iran. There are over 3,000 corona cases in Egypt, but they're probably just Jews or wrinkly old trollops from the last cat house in Alexandria. There are over 1,500 cases in Iraq. But these ISIS gals up north in Kurdistan agree with Imam Mohammed. The disease does not infect us because we are pious. We fast and we pray. So who does this disease infect, asks the interviewer. It infects the infidels, she replies. It does not infect Muslims. Her gal pal agrees. The coronavirus is a soldier of Allah. And a girl. Alas, they can't take uh, our prize because they're chicks, so they have to walk behind their husbands carrying the flat-screen TV uh, back to uh, ISIS headquarters while hubby saunters along in front with his mate enjoying a cigarette. So for stating that the infidels' lands are looking more and more like Sharia Central every day of the week, Imam Muhammad al-Hefnawi al-Ansari is this week's Monday Muhammad. Never let a crisis go to waste, so said Obama sidekick Rahm Emanuel. And it's not just the secular leftist progressive who refuses to let a crisis go to waste. Many others also seize their opportunities. Not Conservative Inc., of course. They can be relied on always to let a crisis go to waste, as they did with 9-11. Uh, see the concluding passages of my book, The Face of the Tiger. But I was thinking more of the ever-confident Muslim community who are always alert to the possibilities. For example... Do you know what that is? If you don't, you soon will. It's the Adan, the Muslim call to prayer. And thanks to the lockdown, it's now for the first time ringing out across North American cities, north and south of the border. Once upon a time, you had to actually go inside a mosque uh, to hear this, uh, but that was before the coronavirus came along. Uh, that Adan is from Toronto. Meanwhile, on the U.S. side, in Minnesota, here's Sheikh Abdisalam Adam of the Islamic Civic Society of America. Yeah, this is a historic uh, moment tonight for us to be celebrating the first call to prayer Adan in a major city in the United States. And the idea started as a collaboration between Care Minnesota the Council on American-Islamic Relations and Baril Hijra Mosque. And they approached the mayor of Minneapolis, who welcomed the idea in light of the very difficult circumstances that we're all experiencing as a result of the coronavirus uh, stay-home uh, orders. Oh, I'm sure the mayor was happy to oblige. Who could object at a time in America when church services are cancelled and police officers are dispatched to ticket parishioners parked in cars with rolled-up windows, listening to services in church parking lots, to see a mayor putting religion front and centre, in your face, on the city streets, in the public square, it's kind of heartening, isn't it? 
Many, you know, uh, immigrants or people from the Muslim world are familiar with hearing the adhan early in the morning, middle of the day, evening, sunset, and later in the night. Every day, they hear it regularly, and it becomes part of habit. And uh, it reminds people of uh, when to head to the mosques and place of worship. Um, when we came to the United States, we have lost uh, touch with that reminder. I take Sheikh Abdesalam Adam's point about this being a familiar sound in Somalia and Yemen and Sudan and Waziristan. It's almost like we Western societies have gotten the message and are finally doing immigration right. Instead of the immigrants assimilating to their new home, the new home is assimilating to them. On the Canadian side of the border in Toronto, on Dundas Avenue, uh, that's not named for the jeans on Guy and the Marquises of Zetland, but for Henry Dundas, the first Viscount Melville. On Dundas, at the Medina Masjid, the call to prayer is also ringing out across a Covid lockdown city. <laughs> As the Imam at Medina Masjid, uh, Imam Shiraz Muhammad, puts it, quote, an important aspect of Ramadan is socializing, and that's been lost. Um, he means because of the coronavirus lockdown. Sunset, when we open the fast, is usually the busiest time. People come to the mosque in large numbers. This year at our mosque, we decided we should do something to recognize that spirit of sunset. So we thought, Let's call the Adan, the call to prayer on a loudspeaker so that everybody can hear it. We took that idea to our city councillor and she got us permission. Now many mosques have followed suit. It's a great achievement for us because we never had the permission to call the Adan in public and it enlivens the spirit of Ramadan a little. Not much, but a little." Unquote. Ah, oh, it sounds so benign like that, doesn't it? We took that idea to our city councillor and she got us permission. That would be councillor Paula Fletcher. And really, with all this lockdown, isn't it the least they could do? So you sit at home in your flat and out on the street, the Muslim call to prayer rings out. Allahu Akbar rings out. Oh, come on, it's a perfectly harmless expression. No need to dive under the table. In Minnesota, and in Ontario, this is a first. As my sometime comrade, sometime opponent, Tarek Fatah, tweeted, this is Islam marking its territory. And Islam attaches great importance to controlling the public space. And at a time when you can't even get into the public space, the call to prayer rings out across it for believer and infidel alike. Just a temporary measure, just till the lockdown's over. Uh-huh. Are you really so sure about that? Your Monday Mohammed, Imam Shiraz Mohammed of Toronto. Don't call him, he'll call you. This Monday's Mohammeds are oldies but goodies. For almost two decades now, I periodically run variations of the same old, same old. 
Same sweet story. Muslims who are so offended if you suggest that Islam might be a violent religion that they threaten to kill you for it. The latest example of the genre comes from Scottsdale Community College in Arizona, where Professor Nicholas Damask, PhD, has taught political science for 24 years. This semester, in the course of a test, he posed certain questions regarding doctrinal and legal authority for Islamic terrorism in, for example, the Medina verses of the Quran and the justification for terrorism within the context of jihad. You might disagree with that, but that would require you to think critically, apply analytic and research skills and rebut and argue, and frankly, that's all too much work. It's a lot easier just to get this Damask guy shut up for good. And so the usual death threats rolled in, and the professor's family, including his nine-year-old grandson and 85-year-old parents, are now in hiding. As I said, I've been following these stories a long time, and that's uh, all standard operating procedure. All that's changed over two decades is the speed with which the offending infidel's institutional colleagues capitulate. In this case... The anonymous Mohammed, who was affronted by the professor's test questions, didn't even have to make an official complaint. It was enough for a comment thread to flare up on the Scottsdale Community College's Instagram account and the professor's jelly-spine superiors threw the towel in, decreeing the anonymous Mohammedan to be in the right and awarding him full credit for the test. Professor Damask had a conference call with two members of the college president's cabinet, so-called, Kathleen Udicello, the dean of instruction, and Eric Sells, the public relations marketing manager. Uh, I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that an academic institution shouldn't have a public relations marketing manager, but if it does have one, he's not the guy who should be on a call like this. Uh, as it was, the principles of academic freedom and intellectual inquiry did not arise. Instead, immediately afterwards, the college president announced that SCC, quote, deeply apologizes, not just regularly apologizes, but deeply apologizes to the student and to anyone in the broader community who was offended, and decreed that the professor, quote, will be apologizing to the student shortly. This was news to Professor Damask, as was the subsequent announcement by Miss Udicello, that if he wished to raise the topic of terrorism in his class again, he would need to meet with an Islamic scholar to review the content, uh, to ensure presumably it meant the diktats of Islam. Uh, then the, I wonder whether they would do that, by the way, uh, with uh, an affronted evangelical Christian. Then they send over the apology to the student that the professor would be required to sign. Quote, I know a simple apology may not be enough to address the harm that I caused, but I want to try to make amends. I will be reviewing all of my material to ensure there's no additional insensitivities. Unquote. Professor Damask is so far refusing to sign such an outrageous statement. And of course, the college's groveling has been deemed insufficient, with one Mohammed Alanami Sanad suggesting that some kid really needs to shoot up the school. If I recall correctly, uh, the last conversation I had with the late Christopher Hitchens 
was about an expression he'd coined in his review of my book, America Alone. Christopher wanted an end to what he called one-way multiculturalism. And I thought that was uh, a good enough phrase to get a book out of, but he reckoned that the central point about multiculturalism is that it is one way. It's not about celebrating other cultures, uh, but about destroying our own and its core values, such as free speech, free inquiry, the testing of ideas, all of which are out the door at Scottsdale Crapola College. This week's Monday Mohammeds, Mohammed Alanami Sanad and the irony-free death threaters are threatening to kill you for suggesting that Islam is violent and encouraged all the time in that by the civilizational sellouts of a worthless faculty. Please welcome Mohammed Massoud. And my eye was caught by this because what with all the Chinese coronavirus, everyone's thanking medical professionals uh, these days. As you know, in the United Kingdom, they have a weekly clap for the National Health Service. And if your applause is insufficient, it's a public thing. Uh, you have to stand on your doorstep or at your window and be seen to be applauding the National Health Service. And if your applause is insufficient, if your hands aren't raw and chafed and bleeding from the vigorous, enthusiastic clapping, then the mob drags you out of the house and beats you to a pulp. Very weird. But even in a time of contagion, not all doctors... Uh, find medicine satisfying work, and some of them would rather take alternative employment, killing infidels. Mohammed Massoud is a trained physician from Pakistan who arrived in America two years ago on an H-1B visa. So he's not one of these refugees or illegal immigrants or the other riffraff. He's credentialed up the wazoo. Bachelor of Medicine, Bachelor of Surgery from Ripa University in Islamabad. He studied at Cambridge and he's got a license from the Pakistan Medical and Dental Council. And now he's got an H-1B visa. He's got his papers. He's one of the elites. Uh, and he arrived in February 2018, not just coming to work at any old rundown county hospital, but as a research coordinator at one of the most prestigious medical institutions, not just in America, but on the planet, the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. You'd think for a Pakistani doctor that that would be a pretty good gig. One his family back home might be very proud of uh, their son, achieving. Instead, Mr. Massoud saw it as a great opportunity to, quote, attack enemy when I am behind enemy lines, because not many people can even reach here to attack. Uh, so, unfortunately, being a doctor at the Mayo Clinic was, to Mr. Massoud, just a useful cover for going Allahu Akbar on the infidels. Um, alas, it was stressful work, uh, as Mr. Massoud complained. He, quote, hated smiling at the passing cuffer just to not make them suspicious. I cannot tolerate it anymore. And so a couple of months back, he quit the Mayo Clinic to go to Syria and become a doctor for the Mujahideen of the Islamic State. Let me just repeat that, because I don't believe those words have ever been used in the history of the English language. A job at the Mayo Clinic is not competitive with going to uh, whatever crap hole the new caliphate has retreated to since it lost all its territory and bandaging up 
jihadists too incompetent to self-detonate properly. So on March the 16th, Jihad Boy quit the Mayo Clinic and went to Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport to begin his journey to Syria. And so he's now in the Sherbourne County Jail in Minnesota. Let me just make a couple of points about this. First, we are seeing yet again the complete refutation of the post-9-11 thesis by the progressives that uh, poverty be breeds desperation and desperation breeds terrorism. Uh, Western man is homo economicus. He sees everything in economic terms. So we like a good job because we can buy a nice house and raise our kids and maybe take them to Disneyland in the sun. Uh, Whoop-de-doo. Ultimately, culture trumps economics. Uh, that's why there's uh, no end of medical professionals among the terrorists of recent years. Dr. Bilal Abdullah, uh, for example, drove an SUV... Uh, packed with uh, some kind of explosive device, I think it was gas cylinders, into the concourse of Glasgow Airport in Scotland, tried to crash the El Al check-in desk or whatever it was. Seven other doctors, seven other doctors were involved in the plot. It was basically a conspiracy. A doc that's more doctors than there actually are at my local hospital. Uh, so uh, eight doctors uh, are trying to blow up uh, airports in the United Kingdom. If you remember uh, doctor again, Dr. Nidal Hassan, uh, managed to pull off the Fort Hood massacre. In Afghanistan, jihad is mostly left to the goat herds. In Europe and North America, it's the province of engineers and doctors, men who could lead enviable middle-class lives but choose not to, which is how you wind up with a jihadist who says, hold the mayo. And my second point, we see yet again the corruption of the H-1B visa process, one of the fancy visas. Uh, the Mayo Clinic run no background checks and nor does the government of the United States, which at the behest of powerful lobbies such as uh, big tech and healthcare, hands out H-1B visas like guys on the corner passing out complimentary drink vouchers for a floundering nightclub. Every aspect of U.S. immigration is corrupt and dysfunctional, not just the drug gangs and sex slavers on the southern border. When he's on it, President Trump gets this. That's why he talks about anchor babies and the like, and actually once in a while talks about serious uh, restriction on legal immigration too. But H-1B, H-1B he can often sound friendlier to. And the fact is, it's as corrupt as any of the rest. Nothing gets checked. And it, too, is long overdue for reform. I mentioned this on Rush yesterday, that we have a ridiculous system where we are uh, over-surveilled, your granny is over-surveilled, and meanwhile uh, we let in uh, Saudi pilots to kill Americans like that uh, guy at Pensacola they were having the press conference about yesterday, and we let in doctors who would rather be jihadists than doctors. We import immigrants in that fatuous bromide to do the jobs Americans won't do. Well, a world-class opening at the Mayo Clinic is a job the jihadists won't do. Your Monday Mohammed on a Tuesday, Mohammed. Massoud. Congratulations. Enjoy the Sherbourne County Jail. And just for you, here's the chicken going Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar.
There are many brave Muslims in the Middle East who are very unblinkered about the regimes under which they have the misfortune to live. There are also many, many more crazy Muslims so ready to take umbrage at the slightest dissent and finger their courageous co-religionists to the authorities. Amani Alzain is a Saudi lady. She lives in Jeddah and she's a... Uh, I suppose the word is housewife, which is a rather more literal and constricting term than it would be if you could still use the word in the Western world. But she's a bit of an activist, and so a few months back she was on a live Twitter chat with a fellow activist from Egypt, while Gonim. <laughs> Did you catch those words right at the beginning? They were talking about Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, and Amani al-Zain jokingly referred to his highness as Abu Munsha, or father of the saw. Because as the world knows, crown prince Mohammed is the guy who ordered the hit on Jamal Khashoggi in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, sending the guys with the bone saws, chopped him up into very portable pieces, and then had him taken out of the premises in plastic bags and scattered around town. All this is well known, and Abu Munshar, father of the saw, is a widely recognised nickname for MBS by... Uh, dissolute Saudi layabout princelings as they spend the summer gambling and whoring in Mayfair. And if, as the experts tell us, we are obliged to suck it up and continue to treat with a blood-drenched thug posing as a reformer, then the least we should be able to do is make jokes about him. But, but, you're not meant to say it out loud on a social media platform, especially if you're a Saudi woman appearing on a live stream without her mandatory body bag and with her face and hair visible to the world as if she were an infidel. So in response to Armani Alzane's Twitter appearance, the hordes of grotesque suck-ups that any Islamic regime manages to inculcate, immediately went bananas and started agitating for her arrest. Miss Alzane has now disappeared. The Gulf Centre for Human Rights in Beirut and the Geneva Centre for Rights and Liberties say that the authorities came to her home in Jeddah and took her away. There are no jokes in Islam, as the Ayatollah Khomeini famously said, and that goes double for a member of the Saudi royal family who's doubling as the dismemberer of the Saudi royal family. If you've got a congressman or a member of parliament, bring this case to their attention so that the fearless Amani al-Zain does not go the way of Khashoggi. Uh, we do not need Saudi oil anymore, which means we do not need to pretend that the father of the saw is our friend or a serious reformer. They have to reform because of what's happening to oil. That's the pressure. Your Monday Mohammed, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, and God bless and protect the woman who called him what he is. Join us next time.
for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. reserved.